Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Liberty Squadron podcast. Today, I am joined here by Rob Neisler. Hello there. And today, we have a special guest here, Dan Mercer. Hey, everybody. So we have a little bit better, a little bit better, a little bit different of a crew. That wasn't a shot, I promise, um, to talk about. So we've got a, we've got one more scenario to talk about today. We've got a little more world's news and a little more of my personal world's crisis uh, to talk about. Um, but before we, uh, before we get into any of that, let's, uh, Dan, let's, uh, I got some questions for you. Uh, well, actually, Rob has some questions for you, I think. Well, first, uh, we should properly introduce Dan. Uh, Dan is the champion of the showcase tour we discussed last week. So, welcome aboard, Dan. Thanks. And congrats nice on your win. Oh, thank you very much. And the person that I may or may not have previously mentioned that I'm putting out a hit on. Uh, yeah, I will be playing at ECG, so if you want to claim that bounty, I'll be there. <laughs> All right, so, uh, so the viewers could get to know you a bit more. Uh, I figured we'd ask you a few questions before we dive into your uh, bat reps of your showcase tournament. Uh, the first question is a Liberty Classic one uh, that we haven't asked in a while, and it's why are you bad at X-Wing, Dan? Uh, sure. I am uh, not always the best at imagining what my opponent wants to do themselves versus what I want them to do. Uh, so sometimes we're like, oh, wait, you did that? But I wanted you to go here. Uh, that's probably that's probably the biggest one is uh is not not really planning things out all the way. Got I got to read your opponents better. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. Well, you read them pretty well for showcase. Ow! But <laughs> that wasn't a yes. direct come at you. Come on, you flew a good game too. <laughs> that was an excellent game. It was a very good game. But I, I think we talk about that. I think a little later. Yeah, so uh, so to continue from that, just if you want to tell us where uh, where you hail from, Dan. Sure, I am originally from Connecticut, uh, but I've been living in the Philly area for about half my life now. Um, yeah, currently just outside the city up north in Cheltenham by uh, Seventh Dimension Games. That's my local store. Yep, I think the first place we met was probably at Top Deck. Yeah, would that have been that would have been right at the start of two Correct. If it was that first tournament, that's the tournament I went 0-6 at. That was the, <laughs> the top deck for opening of 2.0 tournament. I don't know if I was there for that, because Rob and I were still playing, because uh, I think I mentioned this before, backstory, Rob is the one that got me into X-Wing, uh, so you have him to blame for it. I'm sorry. Um, but we, I think, Rob, if it, correct me if I'm remembering wrong, I think we still played in, like, one or maybe two tournaments at a, what was the name of the place again? We played one tournament at Wade's right at the uh, the dusk of 1.0. Did we and not play in a 2.0 tournament out. there? What was that? We didn't play in a 2.0 tournament? Maybe? No, now that, I, you know what, now that, that you mentioned it, it's the I before think, times. I think it was a 1.0 tournament that was won by Soontir and Reapers. I got crushed, I'll tell you that. I don't think I won a single match. <laughs> um, but uh, yes, yeah, so I'm pretty, regardless, I'm pretty sure, because I've only, only been to top deck 
a handful of times, three, I think, at most, specifically for tournaments and whatnot. So I'm pretty sure we met at uh, at Showcase. Have, have you been to the new Showcase, by the way? The new Top Deck? Or, no, new Top Deck. That's what I meant. I have not. <laughs> it is no, definitely yet. worth checking out. I will I will say that much. Um, but uh, so moving on. So you got that little history about Rob and I. Uh, how long have you been playing X-Wing? I started playing X-Wing in first edition uh, 2015. Uh, somewhere around Wave 7, which was like the Hound's Tooth Wave. I don't know if it was right before or right after. I do remember the very long wait. I think it was before Wave 8. I think it's 8. But uh, with the Ghost and the Jumpmaster, that wave took forever. Or it seemed to take forever. Now it's, you know, quaintly short. <laughs> um, but that's, yeah, about the time I came in, there was a pretty active group at 7th Dimension at the time. That's They got me in. I actually started uh, playing X-Wing because one night I was thinking to myself, hey, you know what were really cool when I was a kid? The Star Wars Micro Machines. Let me look, take a look and see if they still have those. <laughs> I used you know to tons of those. They're very low quality. Like the sculpts are terrible. Yeah, they are. I don't realize that like, as a kid, though. No, I thought they were awesome. And I looked back and I'm like, this is, this is, I can't, I'm not going to buy this. And then, but I saw people talking about it and they say, oh, well, you know, if you liked those, check out this FFG X Wing game. And that's actually how I got into it. And I started playing it. Uh, they had a really good group back then. I don't think any of those guys still play, but uh, they helped me get in. And I started playing. It was a, a very casual group there for 1.0 at 7th Dimension. But uh, yeah, it was regular, like weekly stuff for a couple of years. Uh, then 2.0. Um, the store kind of changed to 2.0, and I played that too. Uh, that is uh, Chris's positive influence. Chris, Apple, where we land on that? Like He's told me any number of times, and I forget every time. <laughs> I'm pretty sure we pronounce his name differently every single podcast. It's it's fine. I'm okay, sure he's I'm sorry, Chris. at this point. I, I would <laughs> hope so. I'm sorry, Chris. Anyway, well, Chris, I think Chris started at 7th Dimension, I think. And... Um, yeah, I'm just seeing, seeing him there, and he'd been there for a little bit. And I saw him you know, do really well at that uh, that first PAX, um, and then he was kind of like the, the leader there for for a while. I know I left in 2019. I uh, started to jump up to New York. I was playing with those guys for about a year before you know COVID, and I came back down to this area. Yep, and we're very glad to have you back. It was nice to have another familiar face back in the uh, the local uh, scene. It was very nice to be back. <laughs> So, uh, so I'm going to break this down, this last question, into two things. So, so you started back in 1.0. What like factions or like list types did you play in 1.0, and what do you primarily play now? So in 1.0, I bought everything. I bought one or two of every single thing. I mostly played Scum, but I would try the others. It was like Scum, Rebels, and then very little Empire. Um, when 2.0 came out, I was like, okay, this is a good point. I'm just going to drop off. And because they said that, you know, Republic and Separatists were coming. So I'm like, all right, well, let me get rid of all my Rebel and Imperial stuff. Keep Scum for now. And I'm, I'm going to buy, oh, I'm going to buy Separatists and maybe Republic when it comes out. And um, what I'm doing is I ended up switching pretty much entirely from Scum to Separatists. I've, I've definitely noticed. How do you... So you, you used to be heavy into the, like, the Separatist, like, droid swarm style right yes i was on record as not being thrilled when they announced uh the the separatist fire spray <laughs> funny thing yeah uh, weird that rolls into my other question how do you feel about the separatists now because they are a very different faction comparative to when they first came out 
Yeah, um, I mean, I still like them. I'm still willing to play them. They feel more scummy. They, I feel like they kind of lost some of their, um, you know, original or, or like faction or, or, identity. Yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah. I see where you're, there's definitely less droids on the table than there used to be, which obviously that was like Separatists' whole shtick was droids and like yeah, tactical relays. Like I can't remember the last time I saw a tactical relay. Yeah, I I put one on the table actually. I was playing some casual games on all, the last weekend. I put one on the table and I, I kept forgetting it because I'm just not used to using it. Yeah, yeah, and I I I, d I think that's a bit of a, a miss because the tactical relay was a thing specific to the separatist faction. I think it's a bit of a shame that they've lost a little bit of it. I I don't, I don't think it's a bad thing that they branched out a little and gave separatist players more options than just one. But in doing so, they kind of lost. Uh, they they like gained two to lose one, sort of. Um, but who knows? Uh, the SL cards for them weren't terrible in the uh, Siege of Coruscant pack. There was definitely some good ones in there. Mm -hmm. um, so I definitely think that could potentially be a way you could fix with SL cards is to like maybe have some kind of tactical relay that's exclusive to an SL that uh, is more uh, more relevant. So we'll yeah, I would love to see that, like have yeah. some more options. There's definitely a design space there that I feel like is just not being utilized right now. Not to say it won't be, but right now I definitely think it's something that they could uh, they could definitely explore. And I think a lot of people would be very interested and excited. I certainly would. <laughs> kind of related to that. Uh, what are your thoughts on the separatist ships that came out in the Siege of Coruscant pack? Just in general. Uh, I mean, I like them. Um, I played Siege of Coruscant once, and they were a lot of fun. Um, I use the Siege of Coruscant 404 in almost every list I make at this point, because it's my favorite ship. <laughs> um, the, the Siege of Coruscant, like the, the Flak Arfok, the, the I-5 uh, droid dry fighters are great. Um, I think the I-4 has some promise. I'm still too scared to use it, because it's just, you know, three hull, no shields, and I-4 is a little worrying. Um, and then the others, I just... I haven't felt confident in taking some of the really low initiative droids as much as I like love the hyena chassis. Have you tried just, uh Siege of Chorus on Dooku yet? Uh just in the one Siege game I played. Okay. So I uh, not not otherwise. He definitely uh he could de he can definitely keep up with it. He he has potential as well. Um Oops. Here's well, that's a... not entirely true. I, play, I used him in the uh, Epic game we played with, with Rob. <laughs> hey. uh, I actually got the... Uh, I was able to decloak and get the uh, get somebody in Bullseye to jam them. That was fun. Uh, yes, just, to, just a note to everyone. Dan is one of the local uh, Epic players here, along with, with Rob, who engage in uh, Epic games at Showcase anytime they can all get together and have enough time to play a game of Epic. <laughs> we're slowly growing is the um uh the big separatist epic ship is that was that yours the um i forget what it's called the squid the trident? trident the trident that's it uh, yeah, that was own one. Yeah, yeah. yeah that one on the board at that time was his okay yeah that's that's what i that's what i meant that's what i meant um so one last question i want to throw at you 
Um, it's something we covered previously. Um, so the new faction packs that are coming out, as a Separatist player, what would you like to see in those... In, 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 in two mindsets, both, what would you like to see them for someone that's trying to get into the game and want to start with Separatists? And what would you like to see in a more personal and uh, selfish um, way with those faction packs? Is there anything in particular? I like that question. That's a good question. That's tough. For somebody coming into Separatists, I mean, the problem with things like droids is that they all kind of need to work together. And they it's one of those things where if something goes wrong, it can spitball or, 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 or snowball. That's where snowballs quickly. Um, like you lose a couple of your vultures and then you're, 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 you're pretty much done. So maybe, you know, if they could find some way, I don't know. I think the Belb Lab is probably a very good basis. I mean, Grievous is, mm -hmm. you know, rock solid. Um, it's a good chassis. I mean, it's not perfect, but it's pretty solid. I can definitely see that coming. And then maybe, what are they saying? Four ships for the faction packs? Three? Are we guessing? Four. Four. Um, so maybe a Belba Lab, like a hyena and two vultures, something like that, would probably be the best thing to get somebody into it. I don't know how competitive they'd make it unless they make some changes to the vultures. Correct. Correct. So on the flip side, what would you like to see uh, as someone who already owns all the Separatist stuff and everything you don't really need more more drones or or Belba labs or anything what would you like to see and then this can be cards pilots upgrades whatever what would you like to see or sls uh in the, the faction pack for separatists specifically can i do entire new ships or no uh no not so we'll cover that separately so we'll so for right now no new ships just existing existing ships but still, you might be able to get new pilots or SLs or upgrades. Okay. I would like to see, and I know it goes against the main ethos, but some higher skill vultures, like higher pilot skill vultures. Like, are we talking um, like I-4 or like I... I don't think you're going to get any I-6. No, no, no I-6. <laughs> but like I-4, what I think, what I'm thinking I compare them to is things like, like TIE fighters is how many not even uh, FOs or, you know, regular TIE fighters, there are at I-4 and I-5. And mm -hmm. the difference, and that is a big part of the difference in why you will see TIE fighters on the board and you don't see vultures. Okay. Is that you can, uh, at least that's my thought, is that, you know... Initial paper, killing is a problem. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's not even yeah. so much moving second, um, because even if you're I-4 or road and all that, sometimes it doesn't matter. But just being able to be initiative killed can be a uh, a real concern. So, yeah, I, I totally understand where you're coming from as far as that goes. Um, OK, if bigger scorch was initiative two. You wouldn't take him, right? Um, who? That's a good question. That's a, that's a very good question. Um, I'd probably still I'd still try him. The the trick I, I would you know what it would be? I would still fly him. I would just have to fly him differently because That's people fair. would probably target him first because he would be easier to initiative kill. 
So I would just either fly him either more aggressively as like a, a blocker to get in the mix of things or hang him back and let the other I-4, I-5 ships in front kind of deal. I, I, that's, that's a good question. I'd have to I'd have to try it, but I don't think I would just immediately drop him. So, um, but okay then, Dan, what would you new ship wise? What would you like to see for separatists? I think I already know what your answer is, but go ahead. Uh, the Umbaran fighter. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I think that's the one that like everyone wants right now for the separatist faction. It's a really cool uh, ship. Yeah. And I think it fits in the like it's, it seems to fit better with what how AMG wants to, the game to be played, which you know seems to be named pilots, more unique pilots, and and in more yep. in the middle to high initiatives. Yeah, I I could definitely I could see like the Umbaran. We won't even count generics. Um, but like the Embaran, the pilots starting at like I four, like three or four, probably instead of like one or two, like the vultures yeah. starting at three or four. And I, again, I don't think you're going to get a six, but having like a five in there, um, I could definitely, I could definitely see that. I will say, I don't think I know enough about the Embaran to say like what it might do or anything, but, uh, it could definitely fill a different niche in the, the, the faction that it doesn't have right now, which is never a bad thing. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So, so moving on to uh, your recent uh, tournament win, which congratulations again. Thank you. Um, do you want to give us first a quick rundown of what you flew? And then a quick rundown of uh, like a, this little battle report, what you flew against and any notable moments, either from your list or just the game in general. Sure. Um, so I think over this last week, so I'll just go quickly. Uh, Django Fett, Notorious, Savage Press, Seismic Charges, Contraband, False Transponder Codes, Slave One Title, and Veteran Tailgunner. Uh, Dirge with Iron Cannon, the, the, his title, and Proton Bombs. Standard Grievous, Outmaneuver, Impervium Plating, Solus One, and uh, Standard Loadout. Um, Siege of Corazon, DBS-404. So that's Advanced Proton Torpedoes, Contingency Protocol, and Strut Lock Override. Solid. Yep. Um, so my, in terms of my games, my first game was against Alexander Phillips of RSG. He was playing an Imperial List, um, Vader and the Boys, Aiden, and Juno Eclipse, which was awesome to see on the board. <laughs> yep. Um, and I'll be honest, I was thinking about this earlier, and it's been enough time. I remember it being a very good game. It was a very tight game. We finished... 13 to 10, so it was at time. So it was a very tight game, a lot of maneuvering. But in terms of details, I don't remember any particular details. I don't, I don't remember who, which ships we lost or whatever, unfortunately. That's, that's but fine. it was a very good game. I forgive you, Dan. It's okay. Okay. Thank you. Uh, second game was a near mirror against uh, John Nielsen, also of RSG. Uh, he was flying uh, Grievous, Dirge, Cad Bane, uh, Volandas, the droid tri-fighter, and uh, the Iron Assembler. Okay. Um, that game, we just kind of made a scrum with Grievous, Grievous jousting Grievous. Um, and then my dirge and 404 base almost directly jousting his Cad Bane and his dirge, um, on the on one side of the board while it was Django versus Iron Assembler and Volandas on the other. Um, yeah, that was, that was a fun game. Um, I was 
able to take Iron Assembler out in one round, which is good because otherwise he was never going to die. He had just gotten onto a rock, so he was. Oh yeah. So um, that helped a lot. It was, that was pretty quick. Um, and then I, yeah, then the, it was, I think I got some good bombs off in that one. Was it? Did it, did it just kind of start off as a a straight up joust, like kind of three separate engagements across the board, and then kind of evolve from there? Kind of, because Grievous was all the way on the flank, and then on my party was uh dirge and 404 were just a little bit in from that and it was about the same for his we basically just put grievances up against each other um and then the other side his far side had volandas and i, I kind of had um an iron assemble again further towards the middle so he could land on a rock and he played like iron assemble a little bit slower trying to get, get a he picked up a crate and then ended up on the rock which was where he wants to be and volan was coming around the flank um he he went i think a little bit farther like Peter went closer. There were three rocks on that side. He went between the two closest to me, which let um, Django uh, basically rush in on uh, Iron Assembler without getting worried about getting flanked. I think that really mm. helped. Yeah. So, so I, just, I, I was able, I moved a little faster than I would have to try can't, to, to uh, take care of can't that. Can't fly Django like Boba. No. No, I, I did that uh, the other night against uh, playing, playing a game against Andrew on TTS, and I f- tried to fly Django like Boba, and I think I lost in in one turn. <laughs> yeah that's Django actually takes damage unlike boba does a lot of the time sometimes it feels like boba just has reinforce along with evades uh even without taking the reinforce action uh Django's yeah. still good he just you have to fly him very differently than you do boba you can't be as brute force generally with Django than you can with boba where boba you can just kind of shove in the middle of something and he'll be fine yeah, yeah. No, he will take damage, and especially if you don't get your arcs just right. And mm-hmm. I did not that game, so the game against Andrew, I mean. But yeah. Um. All right. The third game was against Brett. Uh, in between, I you know, which I think helped my performance in in the second half. Cause I was a little nervous having started off winning two. I was a little nervous, uh, but I had a nice lunch. Went out with Ted to the uh, market market three twenty. I think it's called. Had a beer. Felt great going into the second half. <laughs> the mid-round um, beer. It's a yeah, secret it's spectacular. Very mm-hmm. important. Yep. Um, again, it's Brett. So I played Brett again at ECG in the fall and at PAX. And I was pretty much certain I was going to end up playing him again on uh, at Showcase. I was actually happy about that because at my played against my PAX, I kind of sat down. I was, I was feeling a little low. I lost a couple games. And since something back, like, I didn't think I was, you know, had any chance of winning and, and Brett just stopped looking. He's like, damn, we have a great game every time. What are you talking about? And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. And we did have a great game. We still won. So I was trying to, I was figuring, all right, I'm going to get Pat matched up against Brett and I'm going to have a more positive energy going into it. And uh, that's what I tried to bring to that game. So that was that's a lot awesome. of, it was, yeah, it was, it was one of, it was a great game. It was, it was spectacular. Um, it's a very, Brett has a very dodgy list. Uh, and I mean, I did maybe the most thematic thing I could have, which was, uh, do chip a damage on Obi-Wan with a seismic from Django. <laughs> Yo, that's nice. awesome. That's, yeah. that's great. <laughs> um, but that was a great game. Very close. Um, yeah, it, it really came down to the wire there, but that was a lot of fun. If I remember hearing right, it came down to a, uh, a loose stabilizer on a V wing. Uh, which ended up, I think killing a ship. Yes, we both forgot that V-Wings have two hull. <laughs> like, I, I was expecting 
oh, he's going to take that damage and he's going to get that that uh that uh, uh get that satellite. Yeah. Um, and so was and he. So was he. Yeah. <laughs> and we only realized right then. So, yeah, that was That's... a very close game. It was very well, like, yeah, it was a great game. And that, that I, I just want to tie into that's something that I've definitely mentioned uh, mentioned before, especially when you get into later rounds of a tournament, making your opponent have to make more decisions makes them sometimes end up making mistakes. So the more decisions you have to make them make and more things to think about, the more brain power they're having to put in and potentially make mistakes in the game. You can't force it into happening, but there's definitely things you can do to uh to try to to create that scenario so yeah and then do you want to talk about your fourth and final game uh sure now did you want to wait and talk about some chance because i had some thoughts just on chance engagement um we can we can swing back around so we we can just do a quick little little uh report on how that game went down and then Mm -hmm. we can cover it again okay so at lunch, I was I've been talking to to Ted, and one of the things that you mentioned was he had just played you, I think, in round two. Yep. And he was saying how how you would like move them, move your guys as a group, like in a line where you could get four to five shots off and around on on any given target. Um. So I was thinking you were going to do that, and so you know I put basically Grievous off to the side, kind of directly across from your guys, thinking they were going to pull in towards the center. Um. Uh, Dirge on the other side to try to swing around, and then um, Django in 404 up the middle. I was trying to play. I started to slow play a little bit with 404, holding him back because I knew if he got in front of your guys, he was dead. Um, I think it was maybe the best timed uh, engagement I've ever done, and then I almost immediately ruined it by boosting with with Django, <laughs> which put him, you know, in a range of a range of the tractor beam, of, basically in range of all your guns, including. After you tractored him, a number of uh, range one shots. So, yeah, I I will say in that in that particular game, there was definitely a moment where I was like, I, I knew Grievous was coming in, and I had to make the decision of do I turn in towards Grievous and try and light him up, but then let Boba and Dirge get my flank, or do I try and go at Boba because because of where you had, especially after you boosted Boba, um there was no question really as to where he was going to go. He didn't really have a lot of choices yeah. uh, as far as what his, his next movement was going to be. Um, I, some <laughs> looking back on that game, I kind of regret not turning into Grievous because Grievous kicked my teeth in uh, to put it lightly. Um, but again, that's going into, I had to make a decision and I don't, I can't 100% say I made the wrong one, but Dan did a really good job of presenting me multiple options and I jumped on one of them. Um, now we can say that maybe you presented one of them a little too aggressively because of the boost you did with Django, but still you had, you know, one ship coming in from each flank and then two ships coming in the center. So I couldn't really... I couldn't. I couldn't come at you on all. I had to give up a flank in order to get uh, arcs on something, which is probably the best way you could handle a list, uh, a list like mine. So it was still a really good game. It Absolutely. started off really, really close, uh, and then it just kind of snowballed. And uh, as we already mentioned, Dan beat me in the. Uh, we were both the four and O's or three and O's. 
and Dan beat me and ended up going on to win the tournament. So, good job, yeah, Dan. My, do you? Thank you. My my first ever tournament victory in eight years. Uh, <laughs> to this previous to this, the the best I'd ever done was one tournament. I did well enough to get a uh, range ruler. That was back in I, I had a twenty seventeen until I. Uh, acrylic range ruler that was the the only real like nice thing of a like achievement prize i ever got nice nice but here here's a a question i'll throw at you do you think because of how the game changed with objectives do you think you are able to do you think that just kind of works with your play style and how your brain works more than just straight essentially chance engagement which is what the old game was do you think you're you're able to play into the objective game a little bit better? Um, I think so. And it's as much like I was talking before about changing, I think, what my opponent's options are. I was in 1.0 and 2.0, I was especially bad at figuring out when my opponent was going to just disengage and run. Mm-hmm. And... Um, so all of a sudden they'd be like, oh, I, I wouldn't necessarily have the points in my head or something like that. Or, or you know, they'd be doing that, they'd get something. And then they'd go ahead. And then if I'm playing, you know, uh, I won Vultures, which I did a lot in 2.0, uh, it's hard to catch up with some, th- some of the more maneuverable ships. Exactly. So when Suntir decides he doesn't want to play anymore, Suntir isn't playing anymore. Yeah. And now at least it's, well, okay, he's not going to play anymore, but he's probably going to head for, you know, if, it, if it's assault, he's, he's going to head for that, you know, that satellite to, to orbit around or, exactly. you know. Yeah. And if they're not, you get to take advantage of that, of just gaining free, free scenario points while they don't gain any. And sometimes those scenario points can almost equal out to a whole ship. Yeah, definitely. So cool. Cool. Well, then moving on, the last scenario that we have to talk about is, in my opinion, uh, you know, if if you were to ask me, probably the best one. I say that as I just lost in a lost a game uh, in it um, is chance engagement Uh, royalties. I don't get any. Uh, I'm going to talk to AMG at World, see what I can work out. Um. But chance engagement, it is both in some ways the most simple of scenarios, and in some ways it almost makes it, especially because of how we've thought about scenarios so much, in some ways it almost makes it more complicated for, I'd say, two reasons. And Rob, I want to get your opinion on this. Okay. One, because it's the only scenario with half points, so when you're playing the other three scenarios half points of ship on ships isn't something you think about at all. And I don't know about you. I've definitely had it happen more than once where I forgot that half points are a thing in chance engagement until after either I've already half pointed a ship or one of mine got half pointed. And then both of us, uh, myself and my opponent go, Oh yeah. Um, because it's such a, a shift in how you have to think. When uh, when going after ships, have you have you have you seen the same thing? Absolutely, I've had opponents from going, "Oh, hey, I got half on your ship." I'm like, "Oh, yeah, that's a thing." Yeah, I probably <laughs> shouldn't have been so aggressive. Exactly, exactly. Have you run into that, Dan? Uh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> two two shots in and on, on Jank, I was like, "Well, there's half. There's four points for you against you." <laughs> um. Yeah, I didn't capitalize on it, unfortunately. Um. 
but yeah, so that's it's it's something you don't normally have to think about for 75% of your games. You're thinking about the scenario markers and just killing ships. You don't think, oh, well, you know, if I can get one or two more damage on that ship, I'll get half points on it, and then I can focus on something else or so on or, you know... It's definitely been those those times where between scenarios and killing other ships, you're at 18 points, and you don't need to kill a ship. You can just half something and you win. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's a very different mindset you have to have, and it's also why uh, cycling ships in and out uh, is, I think, a lot more important potentially in chance engagement to try to preserve those half points. Uh, versus, because in regular scenarios, you can have a ship flying around on one hull, and if they make it to the end of the game, they held on to every single one of those points. Uh, and there's lists that have a ship like that, uh, which is, it's... Like every depending... T-70 in the game. Hmm? Like every T-70 in the game. I was going to more say something similar to, like, uh, the Jedi, uh, because they're so fast and so dodgy and have mods if they get real hurt and they're worried, they can just leave. And there's a good chance you're not going to see that ship again. <laughs> um, and then you, they, you just lose out on those points. Because if you try and chase them, you give up everything else, potentially. Um, and then there's some some lists that just have that one, maybe ace, maybe not ace, but super maneuverable, more expensive ship. Um, in the old 6FO list I ran, uh, Recoil is that, because he's worth 5 versus everything else in that list is worth 3. So if Recoil got hurt, Recoil just left and let the ties take care of everything, because then that's 5 points my opponent just can't get. Um, so that's one thing that in some ways makes chance engagement a little harder, kind of because of how the other scenarios are set up. The other way that I think it's in some ways harder is you can be a lot more defensive and dodgy in chance engagement because you don't have to worry about scenarios. So because of that, we talked about this in the other, uh, the other scenarios where you're sometimes can kind of see your opponent's flight pattern or things like that based on a combination of where the rocks are and where the objectives are, right? They're not going to want to fly around where a satellite is. They're going to want to fly past it or through it to try to score some points on it. You don't have that in chance engagement. So the engagements themselves are a lot different because you can set up a lot more flanks and things like that because you don't necessarily have to worry about having your ships in specific places to do scenarios. Um, Obviously, the one thing I'm sorry. No, go ahead. I was about to I was about to throw it out. So the one thing I would say about and I think you were talking about four about using recoil, you know, jumping out is that the problem with that in chance is that you know if you don't keep things in the middle, which is your one you know scenario feature right in the middle, if you don't keep anything in in range two, then all of a sudden that can really start to hurt. Once once you're getting no points and they're getting two points every turn, that, that's a big shift. Oh, it, it's a and, very big shift. And if you have something like your ace or your, you know, if recoil is also, I don't know whether it is not that list, if it happens to be, you know, your, your damage dealer as well, you maybe can't cycle it out as effectively because all of a sudden they, they pray, you know, the other, the other team's going to pray less opposed on the rest of your list 
and potentially, you know, cut like take it out of the middle. Very, which is very true. That's the thing. You gotta, you have to, you have to kind of balance that uh, a little, a little bit more. Um, and especially because of half points, the get a little damaged and then play more defensively with a piece doesn't necessarily work as well because you've already given up half points on a ship potentially where you have a ship that could maybe have taken three or four damage in another scenario and not given up anything. Um, so it, it really, it, it causes a difference in decisions, both for you as far as picking your targets, right? You might choose specifically to shoot a ship that you know you can half point versus another really nice shot you have where you're not as confident or multitude of different uh, you know, potentials there. Uh, but then also making sure to hold on to half points on your own ships. Uh, it's it's a different mi- it's a different mindset you have to be in. So more so than the other scenarios, chance engagement is definitely more of a dance. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because range two of the center, it's a pretty in reality it's a pretty um generous bubble um it's not hard to stay within range two of that center objective partially depending on how you have your rocks placed um but in general it's not too hard to do and it only has to be one of your ships that exactly exactly you don't it's not like a satellite where you have to keep more than your opponent Mm-hmm. Um, and the other trick is that if you do both, you both get a point. There's no way to deny points for your opponent outside of just destroying all of the ships they have at range two of the center. That's the only way you can deny them scenario or objective points, um, which is very different from the other scenarios where you might be able to knock off a crate or flip a, uh, flip a, flip a switch or just overload a satellite um so when it comes to that because there aren't the scenario actions and stuff it all comes down to how well you can murder the opponent (laughs) murder uh which is i think a a problem isn't the right word but it's something that some lists can struggle with whereas some lists sometimes lean a little too much into scenarios and then you get to chance engagement and they don't necessarily have the firepower or the tools to get enough points from just the opponent's ships before they give up more points. Um, I don't have any particular lists that I can think of in regards to that, but it is definitely something to take a, to, to keep in mind. So things like range controller important um rob what what else would you say is important when keeping in mind for chance engagement that we haven't already mentioned uh controlling uh throwing as many red dice as possible uh upgrades like proton torpedoes uh bombs are really nice in chance things like that i think there's a cannon that's really that i think uh you're a fan of that's really I'm a good big fan of proton cannon <laughs> Ted posted a rogue fighter uh, and a list builder a few days ago that had proton rockets, proton bombs, and the proton cannon, and I was a pretty big fan. 
<laughs> that ship would do fantastic in chance engagement. Potentially, yep. Yep. Um, and bumping actually still becomes relevant because while in other scenarios you might bump opponents to stop them from doing scenario objectives, in this case it's more about bumping your opponent's ships so that you know where they are to try and destroy them and or force them to have to potentially stress themselves to have mods so that you again have a better idea of where they're probably going the next turn because they're most likely going to want to do a blue maneuver the following turn to clear that stress from the bump focus Uh, they can't run away and save their points if they're blocked or dead exactly Mm -hmm. exactly um and just for different reasons just like in the scenarios uh even things that don't necessarily do damage like tractor beams and uh ion either whether that's ion bombs or ion cannons are really important because you're either you can again have a little bit of control over where your opponent is going like in uh, dan and i's game as he mentioned i managed to tractor boba And so what I did is I moved him forward, which both A, put him into more of my arcs, B, it reduced how many green dice he got to roll, Mm -hmm. and C, because of uh, me moving him, uh, Dan did decide to do the rotate from the tractor, but because of that, I knew exactly where Boba was going to be the following turns. You keep Uh, saying Boba. I do, don't I? I do. Django. I knew exactly where Django was going to be. Thank you for calling me out. <laughs> yeah. I want to see how long that was going to go. Yeah, I, I was I felt like I was in a tough position there. But there were two things though that that for in terms of the rotate in that case, like I knew it was gonna make me predictable. Well, three things. Number one is that Django wants to do blue anyway to get his ability. Of course. Uh number two is I wanted to have you more of your guys shooting me while inside my arc, so I had my choice for notorious. And mm-hmm. The third was then I knew I could, I knew you were going to, you were basically flying right at me and you didn't have, a, with the placement of the rocks, you didn't have a lot of places where you could go that would say, take you out of range one of the rock I was right in front of. So I rotated to make sure I was going to be able to hit it with the, with uh, the seismic next turn. It's like, okay, well I got tractor. That was a mistake. Let me see what I can do about this mm-hmm. position. Yeah. You, you, you didn't manage to mitigate it really well. I definitely, in that in, in that game, I definitely went a little too hard into trying to make sure I blocked uh, Django because I think you just ended up doing like one or two straights. Uh, oh yeah, just staying still time. and yeah, ba- yeah, basically staying still. Where I was trying to move all over the place to block banks and things like that. And if I hadn't, I think if I hadn't tried so hard to block the potentials of where Django could have gone, I might have been able to stay out of his arc or just position myself a little bit better i kind of mm-hmm. sacrificed some of my positioning to try to make sure he got blocked and i ended up paying for it i, I committed too hard yeah and i was thinking that you know robert's saying about you know bombs being good in in dance engagement and in particular i think one of the things that helps is, is having a ship that if you do get blocked you can take a bomb even if it's your own, if it's going to hit other other people too, like not being as concerned whether it's just from having health or whether it's having some sort of damage mitigation or having a blade of plating if the ship's big enough, mm-hmm. something like that where you can where you can drop a bomb without being afraid of it, 
you know, just in case somebody is trying to jam you up. It's like, okay, well, sure. I I can, I'll be, get you, you too. I wouldn't be surprised if there's that scenario where you drop a proton bomb with Dirge and Grievous just flies over it and doesn't care because there's <laughs> a really high chance that he's going to get a crit and just ignore it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. Yep. But yeah, it's it's definitely the biggest thing is half points. That's I, I cannot stress that enough is taking half points into equation of ha- both how you want to engage, what ships you want to pursue and your your win condition, right? Because your win condition might not be kill everything. Your win condition might be I need to kill this ship and then I need to half point these ships, right? Like, if you're going against a Vader list, it's probably really auspicious to say my victory condition is killing Vader. You might be able to half Vader and kill a couple mm-hmm. other ships and win that way. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Exactly. Something Chris Daniel brought up, too, is we always talk about win conditions. Lose conditions are a thing, too. Mm-hmm. Like, if, if somebody half points your Kylo, you're probably in big trouble. <laughs> yes. Yes. Definitely. Definitely. Uh, and so yeah, it's, it's go ahead. I'm sorry. I say, and in situation again, I'm just talking my experience. Dirge is all of a sudden much less valuable in uh, in chance because as soon as you know he gets his ability, he stays alive, but he's already given up half points at that point. Like he's you know to get to get any use of his ability, you've already you're already giving away points. Yes, but then you can true. still murder. Right. Potentially. Potentially. Hey, okay. Question: Did did Dirge? Did you pop Dirge's ability in any of your games at Showcase? Yes, uh, against Brett. That was the, and uh, against Brett. It was the first time that Dirge has died on five cards. <laughs> uh, I, I couldn't. I couldn't get rid of any of them. Um, oh, he any just, of he them. just went. No, as I'm saying, he 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 took five damage cards. I flipped them all, and they were all ships and not direct hits. Wow, and, well, yeah. it's it's direct hits or pilot crits, right? Right, that I get rid of. Yeah, so so wow. they were all they were all non direct hit shift crits so i couldn't do anything about it and he just died uh, i think you know cards i think i think the average is like one and a half mm-hmm. uh is what he discards so like getting none uh that 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 definitely is that definitely sucks i but that's kind of what i like about it is it it's there's that gambling sense mm-hmm. like well yeah maybe he's just maybe he's just gonna die so you you know it's, if i'm gonna if i'm gonna play risky with him it's with the knowledge that it might not work out and he might just be gone but. And when there's also the the risk for the opponent of okay, I just killed Dirge by exa- he has five hull, correct? Yes. I've put five damage cards into Dirge. Do I shoot him one more time? Because because when his when does his ability actually proc? Uh, I believe it's when he's destroyed, which I think is at the end of the initiative, right? Exactly. Yeah. So like. Yeah. If you no, have a ship is destroyed when it has cards oh. reaching its threshold, it is removed at the end of the initiative phase. But that's it gets right. the destroyed condition when it reaches that threshold. That's right. And that did happen once where where it came back and then he still died that same round. Like mm-hmm. But gotcha. but yeah, they had they had to shoot they had to shoot him again though. Exactly, exactly. And it can kind of throw off target priority a little bit because you might, you know, use your, your good shot to kill Dirge, and then he comes back, and then all you have left are not so great shots to try to knock him off the board again. Yeah. So, but that's, yeah, you're, you're definitely right to, to kind of fall back a little bit there. Your lose condition uh, is also very, very important. And I think it's, 
even more prevalent in chance engagement because you have a little more control over your lose engagement because in others in other ones you don't have as much control over what your opponent does scenario wise right in chance engagement it's all just about destroying the opponent's ships so the the initiative is on you to both know your lose condition and how to prevent it and to get to your win condition mm-hmm. so but with that i think that really covers all of this we've covered all of the scenarios at this point uh that's it I'm we're done complete podcast complete podcast <laughs> this is the last episode of the scenario series you're not getting away that easy rob man what are we going to do next <laughs> uh it'll probably be something related to worlds which in case you didn't know is happening next week um bum, bum. <laughs> so as i've mentioned before i will be at worlds uh if anyone that is listening to this podcast is gonna be at worlds uh please i would love it if you came in and said hi i'd love to meet uh anyone that listens to us and uh tell me how great or and or terrible of a job we do uh we're always <laughs> open to feedback um and i've almost about 95 percent confirmed that i will have uh something to give away at worlds uh i'm pretty sure i'm gonna have some extras so i'll have some to give away to my opponents and i'm pretty sure i will have extras for anyone else that um that comes to see me uh i'll, I'll just announce it here uh, I am going to have a uh, chance engagement or really the, the true term, a chance encounter center <laughs> objectives uh, with a little uh, design done by someone from our discord that has now become a recurring emote um, that is used all over the place. It's very thematic. Uh, it is extremely thematic. Uh, so I should have some of those to hand out at worlds uh so come and see me come and say hi uh i'm super excited to go i'm super not excited for it to be cold um but you know that's what i get to deal with um hopefully i can make it through the lcq uh i made it through the last chance qualifier last time in worlds 2019 which i still have the picture because i was 127th out of 128 players that made it into world's day one <laughs> i but remember hmm? how are you going to get through the last chance qualifier if you don't have a list yet <laughs> <sighs> so you mentioned kylo earlier and getting half pointed and and all that fun stuff i think I think I'm still going to stick with Kylo and I think I'm going to fly the Saint. Assuming I make it through the last chance qualifier, I'm not going to fly two different lists um, for my own sanity. I don't know if I could handle uh, flying two different lists between the LCQ and then into, into actual worlds, uh, which... I will say, regardless of what my record is, I'm going to play as many games of X-Wing as I can while I'm there. 
maybe I'll get to try Shatterpoint. Uh, hey. But X-Wing is my focus. I hope I that there. both you hmm? and friend of the podcast, Chris Daniel, do fantastic. And I hope they nerf FO and I can go back to Resistance. <laughs> but until then, you're still flying the First Order, aren't you? Absolutely. I'm in, 100%. <laughs> uh, it's a good time to be an FO player right now, which is uh, not something I can say terribly often. And I'm glad to be able to. But um, yeah, I am there to roll dice, specifically uh, red dice. I, I don't want to throw as many green dice. Um, Shatterpoint yeah, so... also has dice. It does. I haven't even looked at what they what they look like or how they work or anything yet. They're blue. It's D6s and D8s. Re- oh, so it's it's quote-unquote normal dice? No. They're just, just those shapes. Oh, okay. Okay, they're still game-specific dice. Yeah, they absolutely are. You know what they're about. Interesting. Interesting. I keep seeing the articles, and they usually pop up while I'm like at work or something, and then I just forget about them. Because I keep seeing that it's not an X-Wing article. <laughs> so yeah. I'll probably go back and read them all before I head out to uh, Two Worlds. Which, to note, uh, I'm driving. Uh, I'm not. I'm going. I'm driving with someone. He. It's It's his car. Uh, it's about a, an 11-hour drive. <laughs> so it's going to be good times. Uh, maybe God we'll speed, listen man. to some podcasts on the way. Um <laughs> If if Jason hates me, he'll make me listen to myself talk because I don't want to do that. <laughs> um, that might be a good idea. What are you going to try and encourage him to make me listen to my own podcast? I'm going to try to encourage Jason to begin with. He's a fantastic guy. But yeah, uh, yeah, that might be a good idea. He is a fantastic guy. Shout out. Uh, shout out to Jason. I will be spending a large amount of time with him in a very uh, confined area over the course of next week. <laughs> um, but last little bit of world's news. I do want to talk about the notice went out today that roll better is going to be the tournament software of worlds uh, for all of it. It's going to be used for the last chance qualifier and then the actual uh, world's tournament um so if you have an lcq ticket um you should have gotten the email uh from chris allen with instructions but if you have not um go on uh roll better and sign up uh you got to put your list in uh you need to note what objective or what uh, obstacles you're using uh so i have to actually figure out what the small rocks are actually called. Are they actually enforcing that? They are. That's crazy. Uh, A lot of tournament software and a lot of like hand printed tournament lists would have like obstacle selection, but I've never seen a TO like actually enforce that. Yeah, it is. It is required on your list. And like worlds 2019, you need to bring two copies of your list, one for yourself to give to like your opponents during your games and one to give to the TOs. And if that you make sense. it into Worlds Day 2, you need two more copies. Because <laughs> you have to have one to give to the TOs. Because uh, it's technically a separate tournament, right? Uh, and because people can swap lists for it, they require everyone to give them another 
copy of their list just to make sure if anything's changed, they have record of it. Go to uh, Kinko's and print a stack. I'm going to, I have a printer here, but then also a lot of, for, for just as a note to everyone, most hotels nowadays have a, a basic printer you can print from. Uh, but uh, don't show up to Worlds without a printed list. Don't be that guy. <laughs> be prepared. Uh, you'll do yourself and everyone else a favor. But uh, yeah, so the final the final information went out. I think if I can actually pull up the document too, um, it's not one hundred percent confirmed how many LCQ players will show up will be available for day one worlds because it's still kind of um, revolved okay. around how many people with worlds tickets actually show up for it um it's a trick right i want as many people from the lcq to get in as possible but i also hope anyone that has a world's invite uh gets to go to worlds mm -hmm. um last little bit of world's news i will note because i used it myself and it's actually pretty neat um there's an app you can download too if you're going to adepticon uh the CVENT events app, CVENT, and in there you just search Adepticon, and it actually you have to log into it using the Adepticon stuff you got bought your badge with, and it actually syncs your calendar. So any events you signed up through your badge in Adepticon, it syncs with your calendar in the app. So it's actually kind of nice. Um, so if you're going, recommend downloading that. But with that. I think that's all we have for tonight, folks. So, like I already said, uh, if you're going to be at Worlds, please say hi. I am glad and excited to meet and see everyone, including some people I haven't gotten to see in a while. Um, and also to note, uh, if you cannot make it to Worlds, there is a tournament going on, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, on March 25th? It's whatever that Saturday is, yeah. Correct, yeah, then it's the 25th at East Coast Gamers. And Dan, you said you're going to be there, right? Uh, that's my plan, yeah. All right, Rob? I will not be there, unfortunately. I'm working. Ah, all right. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll be thinking about you. Oh, thank mm -hmm. you. Um, but yeah, so for anyone that cannot make it to Worlds, there will be a tournament at East Coast Gamers, which if I wasn't going to Worlds, I would be there. Uh, and I can almost guarantee you that while you're playing there, Mike will have the stream, the the Gold Squadron stream of Worlds at the tournament. Um, I will do everything in my power to not play on stream because I don't want to look like a massive idiot and have it recorded for everyone to see. Yeah, that's always my fear. I, I never want to be on stream. <laughs> um. I also just, I, I, I know how I my brain works, and I know I would get in my own head while being on stream and make mistakes that I wouldn't otherwise. Uh, so I'm not trying to add any, <laughs> any more stress to potentially 18 games of X-Wing. Um, but yeah, so make it out to the ECG tournament if you can. Mike Bird, we always shout him out, always runs a great event. Uh... I don't think past that there are any other events currently uh, announced outside of the future charity event that Mike runs. Um, 
but I'm sure after Worlds we'll get some announcements for for local tournaments here, and hopefully, crossing my fingers, we get some announcements from AMG at Adepticon, whether that be products uh, or something about organized play, which is what I'm really hoping for. So I haven't with... announced it yet, but I suppose I can do so now. Uh, the next showcase tournament will be Sunday, May 7th. Oh, a Sunday tournament. Yeah. Interesting. You said May 7th? Yes, sir. All right. Noted. I will uh, I will do my best to be there. And I imagine, Dan, uh, you will plan to be there as well, right? If I can, um, I guess I may have some family stuff that weekend. But if, if not, if I get away from it, I will be there. All right, cool. Well, we'll look forward to that. Um, I already know that Rob always runs a great tournament, and I'm pretty sure Rob still has some of the uh, prize stuff that I gave him to uh, to hand out. And I believe you've been gifted the box. I, I do have the Liberty Squatch and Crate. Yes, I have plenty of prize support. Awesome, awesome. Uh, and of course, if I get stuff at Worlds, uh, if I can get any extras or whatnot, I will be bringing everything that I can back with me. So I'm, we're not flying, so I don't have to worry about overpacking my carry-on. <laughs> Remember, Chance, if you are my true friend, you will five-finger discount a Bo-Katan for me. <laughs> I don't know. After a uh, 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 spoiler warning slight, after the most recent episodes of The Mandalorian, I might five-finger a Bo-Katan for myself. I, I approve of that. <laughs> yeah, also... I used to be kind of down on the gauntlet having two green dice, and now I'm kind of okay with it. <laughs> I don't know if it was the gauntlet has two green dice, or that those TIE fighters uh, were just taking evades every action because they couldn't <laughs> hit crap. I don't know how you'll feel about a chance, but that sequence in episode three reminded me of games between me and you. Because there was like six TIE interceptors there, and I'm like, oh hey, that's a list of chance would fly. It is! It is a list that I would fly, except usually when I have six interceptors and they're all shooting at one ship, it usually dies, or is very close to dead. That's true. Versus, I think, uh, I think they just lost shields in that episode. <laughs> but the flip side, it is accurate. They do pop just as easy as they do in that show as well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Oh, I miss those interceptor lists. Maybe what yeah. one day, hopefully that'll be uh, relevant again. I can I can dream. Uh, but with that, I think we will call it a night. Uh, everyone, uh, have a good one. Grit good and uh, play some X Wing. Dan, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. It's been great. Yeah, of you course. Guys have a good night. Good night, everyone. Good night all.